0: Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Tuesday, September 26th. We are here live. It's time for the power hour. I see we have Pete and Leroy here. I don't see Bruce. I wonder if I have a message here. I should probably pay attention to this morning. No message. Um, I'll bring Pete and Leroy in. Maybe they know where Bruce is this morning. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Kevin. How are you today? Good. Where's Bruce? Oh, there he is. Know. He was just a little late. We'll uh, we'll dock his pay accordingly.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. If, you're ten minutes, if you're not
0: 10 minutes early, you're late. That's exactly Oops. right. Yeah. 10 minutes early is on time. On time is late, and late is unallowable. I don't even think yes. that's a word. I but that's the way it should I be. I agree. Yeah yeah so uh we'll we'll bring Bruce in so we can beat him up. Bruce, you're late. We're gonna dock your pay <laughs>
2: yeah. you know, one hey I called in right at 1101. <laughs> I mean, eleven oh one I'm in 11.00. point oh
0: oh now it's eleven yeah. oh no, one but but you 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 should listen to Pete, who said, if you're not ten minutes early, you're late. I heard him say that, yeah. Pete's good about that. Pete is is always on time. That's why that shop runs so well over there.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. You know what? Yeah.
2: Another thing he does is he has, did I tell you last week about his list that he has for when we're going to a show? Yeah, he has a whole list of everything he checks
0: off. Yeah, he's, he's just so well organized. You have to have people At like any- that. I have to surround myself with people like that because I am total chaos. I have no organizational skills <laughs> whatsoever, and I am total chaos. So. Um, Lisa is the list maker here, and man, is she good at making lists. And then it's it works for me because it frees up my mind to think about the big picture stuff, and then I, all I have to do is look at the list and know what I'm supposed to be doing.
2: That's why it helps owner-operators if they have a wife that's good with paperwork and yeah. if she'll go get parts during the week and things like that. It's a, it's a huge plus. We'll have wives come in to pick up stuff for their husband because he's going to be home that weekend and they're going to install the parts. And and you can just tell by her attitude uh, that they have a great relationship going and she helps. It's a team. That's right. Yeah. There, there's this one guy, I haven't seen him for a while, but he said, my wife's so fussy, She lines up my clothes in the cupboard of the Bunk and tells me what I wear on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, <laughs> <laughs> hey. This guy was good-looking, wavy gray hair come back, and I'm saying, "Well, he, he always looks good. He's always clean and pressed when he comes in." But, uh, Bruce, there's a anyway, <laughs> there,
0: there's an interesting theory behind this, though, and it's actually pretty powerful. The idea of um, our willpower is is limited like a muscle. And every decision you make throughout the day, even little decisions take away from that muscle. And then towards the end of the day, there's there's tons of research. You start making bad decisions. You, you just run out of the ability to keep making decisions all day long. So there's a theory that, if you just automate things and you you have such a routine that you don't have to think about a lot of decisions, it leaves your mind open for for the important things. So if you if you look at like Steve Jobs, he always wore like black pants and a black turtleneck sweater. It was It was common. The, the reason he did that, it wasn't, you know to create a brand, it was he didn't want to have to think about what to wear every day. He had it all figured out. He knew what he wore every day. He ate the same thing for breakfast every day. He took away all those little decisions because it helped him make mm-hmm. big decisions better.
3: Okay.
0: Okay. That's my lesson for the day. So I'm done now. You guys have to okay. do the rest of the show. All right. Well, this morning I got a couple
2: of interesting emails already, and two of them are about catalysts. I know people are probably tired of me talking about the max mileage catalyst, but so I'm going to start with something else here. Uh, Buck Acres from Don and Elkins, West Virginia, has a very clean T660, it's bright red, per sale. There's 671,000 total miles on it. Uh, For some reason, he recently had, I think they were looking at the clutch, so they just took the transmission apart and put one gear in it. Uh, He's had to do the rears. This used to haul windmill blades prior to him owning it. It's a 450 horsepower. ISX, and the picture that he sent me, the truck is so shiny, I said, did you just have the ceramic coated? He said, no. In fact, I didn't even wax it for that picture. So the truck looks ultra clean and has one issue, and he'll get a check engine light comes on and it says it's going to cause a shutdown in four hours. But every time this comes on, he's never near our shop, even though he's just right down in West Virginia. And I know Leroy could fix this thing. So if anyone's interested, his name is Buck Acres, 304-668-1171. Again, 304-668-1171. If you call me, I can email you the uh, pictures and the specs on this truck 342 gears 13 double over got it all right um what else you got guy has 1.2 million on a pack car and he had to put a turbo on he bought it with three hundred eighty thousand on put it on the max mileage catalyst has had zero problems with the truck. I think one or two injectors is what he said he had to put in it. He had to put a turbo at 1.2 million when he pulled off the turbo. He looked inside the manifold, the exhaust manifold. And there was no soot. And he took his finger and wiped it and there was no soot on his finger. And he showed me the picture he emailed it to me. He said, look, you can't even see where I wiped it. And then I think we had the head off of an ISX. It's a shop that has a lot of miles on it. Oh, here's the. If anybody wants to see the email, the guy's name is Solomon Wadner, W A L D N E R, that has this pack car. 1,250,000 and still going. He uses one gallon of oil in 30,000 miles. Wow. That's uh, incredible. So not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Three injectors yeah. he's put in. Got it. All right. So, and oh, anyway, we have a, an IFX I think we have the head off of it in the shop. Jordan sent me some pictures and it's been running the catalyst for a long time and the hatches is just beautiful. Pete, do you know why we have the head off this truck?
1: I do not. I do not know. Okay.
2: It dropped the valve.
1: It dropped the valve.
2: Ah, oh, okay. All right. So that's that's all I have other than (laughs) (laughs) nitrofoil. So that one that
1: dropped the valve was not a parts failure. The customer, somebody put the damper on wrong. So the dampers on ISX's and X15s are pinned because you use the damper for your A, B, and C to set the overhead. And they were off. I don't know how they got it on, but they got it on wrong. So when they set the overhead, the overhead was way out. So
0: I think that's why I dropped the valve. Got it. Mm-hmm. All right.
2: failure. Um, Bruce, no, a oh, go ahead. No, the not hit the valve, and that's what happened on that. So, Pete, maybe on the uh, ISX is being there's a pin there, and you have to locate it. And then we need to write a make take a picture and make a story and put the put it in with all the dampers for the ISXs.
1: I'll make sure that's not already with the, if we put torque specs in there. I'll make sure that's not already on there, but I don't know how they would get it on without putting the pin through the hole in the damper. Yeah.
0: You know? Yeah. It seems odd that you're right. It shouldn't even go on. It,
1: it, yeah. It's, it's pin. It's not like, Oh, you put it on wrong because you weren't paying attention. There's a, a pin in the front cover
0: to get it. to see, the right. damper. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes, I'm not sure. I have to walk back there and find out what's going on. Huh. It was a little busy Monday, so I had a chance to get back there.
0: All right. Anything else, Bruce? You were going to say something.
1: No. Oh,
2: hey.
0: Yes. Yeah. I spoke to a guy
2: yesterday that was um, was almost ready to lose his truck years ago, and then he heard about you, and he started listening, and he was listening to us. And now he's very successful. And every question I asked this guy about his 379 Pete with an MXS Acer Cat, he had the answer. Don't you love that? And I said, "Why do you know all this?" He said, "He said I've been to three CMCs."
0: Ah, there you go. Love those stories.
2: Yeah, and uh, it was uh, it was interesting. We talked for about a half hour last night. Yeah, so I, he I... was. He was testing me. He heard that I returned calls at 9 o'clock at night, so he left a late message. And uh, it was about 8 o'clock when I called him. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. Yeah. And, and he said, well, you do return those calls. Yes, you do.
0: No doubt about that. But
2: okay. it, was, it was really, really nice to... Uh, and for him to have all those answers of everything you know the gear ratio the tire size the transmission we went, we went on and on and on and
0: uh, it was yeah. a wonderful conversation you know what but, so what but, might surprise you know, people he, he, a part of this story that i like and it might surprise people <laughs> that he was he was struggling he he gained some knowledge he found better ways to do things He's he's succeeding and I actually love the fact that he has a 379. And I know that people are going to go, what? What are you talking about? You, you... Well, I love the fact that he became so successful. He can drive whatever truck he wants to drive and still succeed.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He's, uh, and he runs central Pennsylvania up to New England pulling a smooth bore tanker. He is able to drive this Acer on the level at 3 to 7 pounds of turbo boost. Wow, that Usu- old truck usually, is rolling so free. Usually on a, an A-cert with the twin turbos, if you can keep it at 12 on the level, but he's between 3 and 7. Bruce. And that's averaging I- 65 mile an hour at 1450 RPM.
0: I, I own an A-shirt, and thanks to Leroy, I have to fight to keep mine under 30. <laughs> you're welcome. Did <laughs> you get your tuning kit? I did. I did. We've got to talk about that, but that okay. that's for later. Um, you so,
2: know, a, mo- a motorhome, though, is like, you rem- remember Balbita Cheese when you were a kid? Yeah. Yeah, I came in that rectangle box, Elvita. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. That, and That's what of motorhome is going down the highway. It's a highway. Elvita cheese box. It's, yeah,
0: I know. It's, <laughs> there's there's not much you can do about that. No, it's it's kind of embarrassing though when I'm the guy that's supposed to be known for fuel economy and my coach gets five and a half on a uh, on a really good day. I, I will say after the tune, as hot as it is, I am getting better fuel economy. If I drive it and I really have to drive it, but mm-hmm. we did fix, you know, several other things, some pretty major boost leaks. So I'm sure that helps some too. Uh, yeah. but it, it's, it, there's just not much I can do with this thing and not much I would be willing to do cost wise. Cause I wouldn't get it back anyway, but, uh, it is kind of crazy. I'm, I'm excited. It's coming out of the shop in, well, I'll pick mm-hmm. it up this weekend. I forgot. That's this weekend already.
2: Yeah. Okay. So this fellow from Central PA is Randy Deal, and he's got oh, Yokohamas on I, right now. Yeah, I know now. Randy. Yeah, you know Randy. Yeah, of course. Okay. So the Yokohamas have a one hundred and three rolling resistance. That's not too good,
0: is it? For, is that a drive tire? Yes, that's excellent. Yeah, it's it's tough to get. Oh, that's if we can get a drive tire, a, yeah, if we can get a drive tire down in that hundred range, I'm happy with that. Oh, I thought you were talking like 0.87 um, or er, 0.87. You know, I'd have to go look at, I, I have not been focused much on rolling resistance as I used to because so many of the tires are becoming more fuel efficient now. Um, you you should still pay attention to it, but there's it, it's much easier to get down in those lower numbers. Um, some of the wide singles, I think we got down into the low 90s, but it, it's hard to get much lower than that okay. on a drive tire. Right. So the
2: no 103 on drives are good. The first CMC I went to, which we, you had in Ohio, that's what I came back with. It's, it, uh, you were
0: really sharp on rolling resistance on tires. And it was a that's big, big difference back then because a lot of tires were all in that 130, 140 range, and that was common, and those were the tires everybody was buying. And then there were a few that were down in that 100 range. So if you went from 140 to 100, it was a four-tenth of a mile gain. That, that's big, and the thing is you're already buying tires anyway. You've got to buy them. It's not like we're making a new investment into something, but if you're going to spend the money, spend it and be efficient. Over the years, those numbers, that range keeps getting smaller and smaller. So more and more tires are becoming really fuel efficient. So you should still look, you know, don't make a mistake and buy one of those horrible tires, but we don't talk about it as much anymore. Randy also said the biggest single difference to that
2: Acer cat was the ported and ceramic coated exhaust manifold that he got from us. Wow. And then he followed that up with two of the quiet
0: performance mufflers. And he said that was the biggest single difference right there. Hey, hey Pete. Yes, uh, I got a question for you. If that made such a difference on his Acer, okay. um <laughs> How much would you charge me to put a manifold on my coach?
3: I think oh, you'd have boy. to pay.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a little different. I don't know. I, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't yeah, even ask they, you to do it. It's yeah. Leroy was it really that in? Was, was it you that told me to get an overhead done on a prevo Was like six thousand dollars. Oh, I wouldn't have said that, i don't I don't know about prices know. So, yeah, somebody back there in the engineering department when I was there and I was hanging out working somebody told me that I forget who I was talking to though, just because it is such oh, a nightmare just to get to the engine. We won't trade for the prickle, the monkey prickle. Oh, you don't
4: you want to trade. We might do that. I've got a source. I, no, so. <laughs>
2: I don't know if we've ever set the overhead on a
0: 60 series in a Prevo. I'll bet it's a job. You got to, you got uh, to take... You
2: know, some shops now are having a separate labor rate for motorhomes and it's higher than, work, than it is to work on a sunlight truck.
0: Oh, well, we've got the, um, we just put nah, the big coaches coming out this weekend. We just put the Sprinter in cuz it had a list of stuff it needed done um, and i was just shocked by the pricing absolutely shocked i, I it has gone up so much i can't even believe it. It, it just what was their what's their labor rate well i i'll have to go chat i wasn't even going to pay attention we only use one shop for the well we actually have to use two shops Cause the body stuff, the, the house RV stuff, that's the shop it's in right now. And then we have a really good Mercedes dealer, but I, I don't, I don't pay attention to their rates. Uh, they do good work, but um, Lisa dropped it off yesterday and she came back and she said, just the diagnostic charge was, was it 300 or 600. I think it was 600, just the diagnostics. And it, it, it wasn't anything all that complicated. The propane gauge is stuck. The propane gauge isn't working at all, Um, and it's a digital. There's always problems with those things. Uh, I wanted them to check some wiring. I see I have wiring under the hood for a battery. Now, the battery on the Sprinter itself is actually under the floorboard between the two seats, and then there's a house battery in the back, but there's a spot under the hood for a battery and there's cables. So I just wanted them, I could have done it, but I didn't have time. I just wanted them to, to tell me if the cables are connected to the house batteries or not. And if they are, I want to drop another hundred amp hour battery in there for more capacity. Um, so they just need to follow some wires for me and tell me where they go. Uh, I think there was one other, one or two other little things, and it was just a flat six hundred dollar diagnostic charge. Well, which kind of bugs me a little bit. Why is there a flat fee for this? Why don't you just start diagnosing things and then charge me the time it took you? I agree. And if it's more, I'll pay Sometimes it, but I just, it, if it's less, I, I don't like that flat fee because I look at this and go, I'm not sure it's worth $600 for you to tell – especially the propane gauge. It's broke. Just fix it. That's all I'm asking you to do. Fix it. Why do you have to diagnose it first and charge me separately for that part? Just fix it and then charge me whatever it took for you to diagnose and fix it.
2: So, you know, yeah, it's, it's – be. Friend recently had two propellers looked at in Baltimore and the shop had them for a day and a half, twelve hours. And one prop was perfect and the other one had a ding in it that was half of a three eighths diameter circle. Seven thousand seven hundred dollars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's that's hard to so even imagine. I
2: called I so I called the people. The company's run by a lady. Her husband died. I said, you charged him $641 an hour. <laughs> I said, I, my lawyer's 250 an hour. Yeah, right? She said, we flat rate. I said, you're flat rating it, but the one prop was perfect. Yeah, right. I and- said, I helped this guy with this boat. There was no vibrations. I was just on it. And, <clears throat> you know, when you're on a boat and in the master stateroom is down by the propellers if you want to hear vibration you go down into the stateroom you'll hear vibrations right you'll see things shaking and uh, i said this boat was smooth and so i called another guy down in northfolk yesterday and he said if we check the propeller and there's nothing wrong with it we don't even charge I said you didn't even charge for an hour or two. He said no.
0: Yeah, what a difference!
2: I said, well, from now on, all my friends, I'm right. I'm going to tell them just, yeah. take it down to Norfolk and get a motel room for a night because this 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 company up in Baltimore is ridiculous. Yeah, and she won't do anything. Wrong. She actually hung up on me, oh. <laughs> and I was fucking
0: nice to her, uh, Bruce. You know, I was the, the, hung, she hung up. The mistake she just made, Bruce, is she has no idea how many people are going to hear this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has no idea what what she just did. You're, you're, no, you know, your you. Name, you're, I'll, I'll say. Uh, do you know where Bethlehem Steel used to be in Sparrows
2: Point? No. No, they're no longer there, but there's other businesses there, and and uh, I'll. I'll never let anybody take anyone that I know take anything back there. Yeah. Good. Good. All right. But um, the flat rating. And then, then the then the um the marina that worked on this guy's boat charged them fifty dollars for the forklift to pick the propellers up and put them in the back of the pickup. <laughs> and I called them, I said, You charge you charge my friend fifty dollars to use the forklift. And it's sitting there. I said, we use our forklift every day. Yeah. I said, every time if we pull a head off and if the truck isn't by one of the overhead cranes, I said, we use the forklift. I said, "And or we pull engines in and out sometimes with forklifts. Or the radiators and charge air coolers are up on above the offices. You saw where they are. We use the forklift to get those done. If I put a fifty dollar forklift fee in for every time oh. I use it, you got to be kidding me! So, so what's happening is workman's comp is killing us, is killing people, and insurance companies.
0: Yeah, yeah. Don't forget <laughs> so when you cost of, when you it, use the tow motor like it, a scaffolding it, system too. It's always good for retrieving things up high. Oh yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. You put a pallet on it, you it's, put a guy on it, and another guy oh, there you runs go. it up.
0: And, <laughs> yep.
2: God, if the government saw that, they'd have a fit. I know. But um, use it to But anyway, uh, it's the cost. The cost of having a business today is shocking. And it is. So everything is getting passed on. We're, and uh, you can blame our politicians
0: for all this. We're fighting all that all right all now. We we have not raised yeah, prices. And, and and we can't keep going. Not...
2: That's right.
0: At some point, we're going to have to that do the same point. thing. We're trying not to. Mm-hmm. Well, when I look at our labor rate
2: at $132 wow. an hour and I look at other people yeah. up in the two hundreds,
5: I and mean...
0: Yeah, that's and you're right. It's the politicians. There is no reason we should be but I don't want to get started on that. Well, I've got one thing, then we'll go yep. to see what Pete and Leroy have got, and then we're gonna to get to some phone calls. Bruce, you know, we, we use the word catalyst a lot. And we've we've kind of explained it before, but the word catalyst itself is very generic. It, it's it's not when we say catalyst, that isn't anything specific about a certain product. It is a catalyst, but The word catalyst is very generic, and I've got a new um, use of a catalyst. I didn't know anything about this. Um, An Italian soapstone oven, a wood oven, wood stove. This one, this particular stove has a catalyst in it. And I'm just now trying to learn how this thing works because it's pretty incredible. So once you get a really hot fire going in this stove you've got to get it up to between about four and five hundred degrees to make this work because the catalyst is going to create a reaction just like the catalyst does in the fuel it's not an additive there's a chemical change a, a, a change of property happening to things that's what catalyst means in this particular stove you can route the hot air as it's leaving to go up the flue You can start to route it through this box that has a catalyst in it. I'm assuming it's some form of solid catalyst. I'm just starting to figure it out now. And if you route, if you get it, the fire hot enough, and then you can slowly start routing more and more through the catalyst, when you get to basically 100%, the fire inside the stove almost goes out. It is the, The wood is just barely glowing, and you see some flames kind of dance around. The flames don't even look like they're attached to anything. It's really bizarre to watch. But the temperature starts going up. So the catalyst is, is changing the flame. It's slowing the burn way down. You go to almost zero oxygen in there, and, and the, the, the flame's now running through this catalyst, or the heat is. And a load of wood... Like four or five, you know, fireplace-sized sticks burns for fourteen hours. It burns so Usually slow and so hot. But the other advantage to it is, they said, if you use the catalyst most of the time, and and this is the primary heat source that we're going to use all winter, you will really never have to clean out your chimney. The catalyst cleans up the the soot and and particulates so much that your the whole system, the whole chimney stays clean. And your wood lasts a long time, and you get all of the heat out of the wood. There's very little lost heat.
2: Could this come with this farm? Yes. Now some wood burners do have a catalytic burner up in the stack. But here's what I want you to do. After you get used to this wood-burning stove, I want you to put some Maximilian's Catalyst
0: on your log. Bruce, that doesn't sound... In- well, maybe I guess we're burning it through an engine. Yeah. 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 Huh. You know, it, oh, you'll be surprised.
2: You'll have a hotter, cleaner burn, and you'll heat up your catalyst mechanism faster, and you'll burn less wood.
0: Yeah, so this catalytic... Box or, or whatever it is is in the in the stove itself. You said sometimes they're up in the flue. Mm-hmm. this one's in the stove itself. Uh, right. and, and like the big advantage is your, your wood lasts so much longer. Uh, the secondary advantage is it burns so clean. Uh, and you can go outside and look the, the little bit of smoke that comes out once this thing is is up to temperature is very, very little smoke coming out of the chimney and it's pure white and that's what they said when if that starts to turn more gray then you should go in and inspect your catalyst because there is something in there you replace it 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 will wear out the catalyst over time which makes sense because that's how a catalyst works
2: yeah. i know uh, those uh, kerosene heaters that people were using 30 years ago Brian stole our dealer from Wisconsin, put some of the max mileage in his, he said, man, it burns clean. He couldn't get the fire to go out. So you'll have to try it in that stove. He- try and just just put put four or five CCs on a log, and then uh, keep trying more. And you might find that you're burning less wood because you're getting more heat out of the out of the wood.
0: Interesting. Now I tell you what, I am looking forward to running the catalyst in the Ford farm tractor that I inherited. It's a three-cylinder diesel. It's a 1972. So pretty simple, mechanical, three-cylinder diesel. And right now it's kind of, I keep it under a carport next to the barn. It's got a fairly low roof. And man, when you start that thing up, I, I just feel like starting it up and leaving because, you know, on a cold morning, the other morning, it was, it, I, memories of what truck stops used to be like walking through in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, this thing just rolls out smoke.
5: Um,
0: guy
2: that I'm working with now that has three 10,000-gallon tanks above ground, um, his son bought a half-gallon of a catalyst, and they have several trucks. They do excavation and septic work. And he pulled out this old generator two weeks ago, he got it running. He said it wasn't running very good, and his son came over with the the uh, syringe with some catalyst, and the father said to me, he said, I don't, don't put that shit in here. <laughs> and, and he knew from me telling him it wasn't, he, I'm surprised he used the S word because he knows it's good stuff. He said within a minute or two, the generator started running right. So now he's got some algae in his tank. As soon as he gets that cleared up, he's going to treat his 30,000 gallons of fuel on hand with the catalyst.
0: But he, he he looked at me and he said I was a little shocked at how well that did. Got it. I do have a correction. The okay. other day right. when, when I was talking about the tractor, I said I thought it was a 3,000. It's not. It's a 1900. Not that I really know the difference, but mm-hmm. I'm starting to figure it out. Diesel? Uh, yeah, three-cylinder diesel. Yeah, okay. Runs good. Yeah. It'll love the cats. It'll yeah. love the max mileage. Runs good. I used it to mow the field the other day. It's uh, it's in really nice shape.
1: Good.
0: Yeah. All right. Pete, Leroy, what do you guys got? Bruce and I have talked for half hour.
1: I don't have anything today.
0: All right. <laughs>
4: I'm not sure if Leroy does That's what I would to say too, because well, I've been, we got so many trucks here
0: for us to be working on. I, uh, didn't prep anything for the show. Well, I guess it's a good thing Bruce and I were prepared then. That's it. I am starting. Hey, Roy,
2: to th- there's No electrical issues in the shop. Nothing unique on. The
4: um, I mean, there are electrical issues. We fixed one yesterday, and there's one today. I wouldn't say that they're unusual or interesting. They're uh, pretty standard wiring jobs.
2: Well, that might be standard to you, but it's not standard to those of us that aren't into electrical.
4: Um, so all right. Was, yeah. Uh, had a 379 yesterday, um, with a speedometer that would go up like it, it would read vehicle speed while sitting still. Um, uh, we replaced the wiring on it. It's most likely going to be his speedometer, but I mean, we couldn't get it to do it while it was here uh, in typical fashion. You know, it's, it'll do it when it's not here, but as soon as the guy brought it, then he's like, well, it doesn't do it anymore. So, um, it's most likely going to be the speedometer on that because um the wiring to the speed sensor is just two wires and the speed sensor is an inductive sensor which means as the tone wheel passes by the magnet inside of the sensor it generates a voltage uh which makes the makes a speed sensor signal. Um and if those two wires were were touching or they go open so an open circuit or a short circuit you're not going to get any sort of increase in voltage. So I told him uh, you know, you've already replaced the speed sensor, the tone wheel's tight on the back of the transmission, <laughs> we put the wiring in, so if it keeps acting up on you, you're going to have to try to find an uh, old 379 speedometer, which, from what I've heard, can be kind of difficult to source one. Um, and, and then set it up.
2: Peterbilt doesn't offer it anymore?
4: I don't think so. I mean, if this is probably a, a 95 truck or something like that. I don't know. if They might have one on the back shelf, but I don't think that they... They make them anymore now.
2: Okay. Pete, you were supposed to tell us what's in the shop, and you forgot to do that.
1: I I didn't forget. I got in late. I had a doctor's appointment this morning, so I didn't get in until later today, so I didn't have a chance to go through the shop. Okay.
2: Leroy, can you tell us what's all in the
1: shop?
4: Yeah. So the other wiring job in the shop is uh, one of our remote tuners and good friends of the show, Charlie Ebling from Terra Lee. He has a deaf doser code. Um, the code is saying that I'm not getting any voltage to the DEF dosing unit. And really the only two, well, three things that it can be is either the doser itself, which you can check with a multimeter by putting the red lead and the black lead across the solenoid and measure for resistance. The resistance spec should be within 11 to 18 ohms of resistance Uh, this one checked out at 13 so not the doser and then we're down to whether it's the ecm or the wiring so we're uh running a new circuit with insulated wires that's uh that should take care of that issue because the likelihood of it being an ecm is pretty low um so that's that job the other ones we got hold on hold on hold on so people know who charlie is
2: charlie's the guy that uh, i said uh, retired three times sold his truck sold his equipment and uh, and he keeps flunking retirement and he keeps buying another truck so
4: yeah, when I asked him how long we can have it for, he said, it doesn't matter, I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs>
2: also, tell that Charlie that I have not given up on his radiator. He wants to get away from the aluminum and plastic. And I have a meeting on Wednesday with another guy that tells me he can build us custom radiators. So pass that on to Charlie.
4: I will. I think he's uh, out in the waiting room. He's probably listening, so yeah. uh, I'm sure he'll get the message one way or the other. Um, what else we got going on is, uh, we got the one that Pete described with the the broken valve. Uh, we have a ISX 2250. So that is a 2011 to 2012 ISX with low power. Um, even with a tune file in it, it should make 650 horsepower and 2200 foot pounds at the flywheel. And it's struggling to make 550 and 1750. So it's probably, you know... Three, 400, maybe even more foot-pounds of torque short, and about 100 horsepower low. So we got to go through some of the basic diagnostic steps of an injector performance test, an air handling test. So an air handling test um, is an automatic diagnostic test that the uh, Insight Diagnostic software will run. And it goes through a bunch of checks with the EGR valve and the turbo mostly and the intake valve intake throttle valve if that engine is equipped with one. And it moves all these actuators around, moves the EGR valve, moves the turbo, and then it looks to see how the sensors are responding. So for instance, when you open the EGR valve, you should see EGR flow. And if you don't, then you may have some sort of issue with either the sensor or an EGR cooler. That's how we found one a few weeks ago. We did an air handling test and surprisingly, It came back with, uh, check the EGR cooler, and it was bad. Um, EGR cooler failed internally. Hold on. Air handling test.
0: Kevin, have you ever heard of that? I have not. I was sitting here listening because I hadn't heard of that. Air handling test.
4: Yeah, so that's the name of it. Uh, It's pretty much just anything that has to do with air for the engine um, and what the ECM can control it it moves all those sort of pieces and see how and yeah it sees how see how the uh, the sensors respond um, and it's, it works pretty well for finding a lot of issues i'm interested to see how well it works on some of the older engines i know on the newer engines which it was developed for works very well hmm. okay now let's go back you said a tone wheel is the tone wheel like
2: a cog wheel and is it in the transmission or on the drive shaft
4: um, they can be in a couple different places. Usually, they're right at the output of the uh, transmission, right on like the yoke, okay. and you said there's a there's a sensor there,
2: and there is a magnetic spot on the tone wheel as it passes the sensor. It makes voltage.
4: Yeah. So the the tone wheel is um, sort of a circular ring that's attached to the the shaft, and it has bumps on it, and when those bumps come in almost contact with the speed sensor. The speed sensor is essentially just a coil inside of a magnet, and when they pass by each other, it generates a voltage. So it's, it's got to be within a very small little gap, and as those bumps pass by, it creates a pulse, and the next bump comes, another pulse, another pulse. And the ECM measures the distance between those pulses to calculate a speed. Interesting. Hmm.
0: Kevin, how supposed to figure this stuff out? I, I feel sorry for mechanics today. It's tough. I mean, it's tough. And Bruce, I, I've talked about this many times. I think you took the right approach. You went out and really looked hard to find people who got all of the electronic stuff and yet were still kind of gearheads. And I, I've, I brag about your engineering department all the time because they, they really, really get all the electronic stuff, but they're all gearheads too. There's no doubt about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, just wow. And uh, Leroy, you got to remember those of us that turn nuts and bolts. When you you said that you didn't have anything to talk about, but you have so (laughs) much to talk about. So much. I was sitting
0: here thinking that.
2: And, And sometimes, I mean, you'll say tone wheel. Well, to the average guy, what's a tone wheel mean? Right. And so. And it's best when you explain it like you just did. I'm thinking, he's sitting here thinking, how does a magnet go around on something and it passes something and it makes voltage?
4: Yeah, that can be a lesson for another day when we get into <laughs> electromagnetism. And- I'll, and and
0: like I'll need more caffeine that morning. Yeah, that one uh, that one will for sure put you to sleep. Uh, <laughs> you no, know, I, I don't think that- I don't think
2: it's putting anyone to sleep because it's, it's, it's knowledge and
4: it helps everybody. So I agree. Yeah. Some days it feels like to a fish, you know, that's uh, just <laughs> what I'm exposed to all day, every day. So it seems fairly
0: normal to me, but uh, that can be a little bit of a disconnect between me and the audience. I would say I always like that phrase. It's like trying to explain the internet to an ant, right? Yeah. <laughs> not easy. Well, you know, the the thing that still gets
2: me, they say it's up in the cloud. Yeah. What happens if it's a sunny day? (laughs) Where the hell's the cloud? How does it pull it out of the cloud if there's no cloud? Oh, boy. Oh, boy.
0: All right. Anyway. All right. One more thing, and then we're going to get to the phone. I I think
2: everybody that that has children that are coming up, whether they're in high school or college, they should take some basic electrical engineering courses because uh, that's how the world's going
0: and And it's getting more difficult for for an average layman. Yep, Really is.
2: All right. Anytime someone tells me they're in college and they're
0: taking mechanical or electrical engineering, I applaud them. Yeah. But boy, you better work hard to stay away from all the woke colleges anymore. That's that's... another story. (laughs) Yeah, it's a terrible thing. It is. All right, Bruce, I got a question for you. Have you, I I just had to go look this up because I got to know what I'm dealing with. Um, Have you ever heard of a Shibora diesel? No. Me either. That's what they used in all these Ford tractors. It's a Shibora. It's Japanese. It's a 1.4 liter, three cylinder, naturally aspirated, about 30 horsepower.
2: Interesting. Well, you know, when the first farm tractors came out with diesel engines, weren't they down around 30
0: horsepower? Uh, Yeah, I don't know, you know, all the different sizing. Like I say, this is a 1900. It's a decent size, not big, but uh, it, it seems a little too big for 30 horsepower. But as far as everything I've done with it so far, the front end loader, the PTO, everything seems to work great and have plenty of power. So. It's because you're not going fast, and it's the way it's geared. Yeah. Oh, well, it's, uh I have twelve forward and four reverse. Got lots of gears. Two many.
2: Lots of people calling in and telling you about this stuff because I, that's we have what I'm so hoping. So many I <laughs> listeners that were raised on farms, and uh, so. That, that's that's what I'm hoping. just ask. Oh, if you have a question? When you have this type of listening audience, just ask. You'll find the
0: answers. I, I do. They've been. They've already been helping me with the chickens because uh, we have lots of people that that are raising chickens. So now I need some help on my farm equipment. Uh, so yeah, I'll get it. I'm sure I'll get it. That's uh, that's the nice thing about this tribe. We have lots of people that know lots of stuff, and most of them are willing to share.
2: Tremendous, tremendous knowledge in these people that, that we're talking to right now.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so I get to be the one asking the questions. That's kind of different, but, uh, but I kind of like it because I know I'm about to learn something new.
2: How many owner-operators today were raised on farms? Farms or ranches, a tremendous amount.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: The... And they started working at ages some were four years old, most of them were <laughs> like six years old.
0: Yeah. A lot know. of them were driving since they were eight years old. Yeah. Yep. So. Yep. All right. We've uh we've got a lot of questions, so let's get to it. Let's get started in Ohio. Joe, good morning.
6: How are we doing today, fellas?
0: Good. What's on your mind?
6: All right, so um, after years and years and years of hauling other people's stuff, here in a few weeks I'm going out as my own entity. I've been doing over-the-road full um, bucket, so I did, I've got Bruce's tune, I've got the turbo. Well, now I'm going to asphalt in local aggregate. I will not be doing hardly any highway speeds or anything like that. So I called in this morning to see, um, was talking to, anthony and the forest department to see if i should change the turbo housing and to get into that or get the get it spool up quicker go through the low range and the mid-range and he talked me out of it you guys had my intake and in stock so i bought it i bought the uh, turbo blanket basically full pm kit my o- ops filter my uh, test kit this and that, so, uh, over $3,000 of stuff gets shipped to the house tomorrow. But um, I have my exhaust manifolds or my uh, exhaust wrapped from the turbo to the elbow because the fuel, the exhaust pipe runs right above the fuel tank and I was getting heat issues with uh, the heat soak on the aluminum tanks and everything. Before mm-hmm. I put that manifold in, do I wrap that with, with header tape or do I, header wrap or do I just leave it alone?
2: I just leave it alone. What engine and what truck?
6: It's
2: a, that's a Detroit 12.7 and a 02 Volvo day cab. Okay. Now just uh, don't wrap the manifold. The manifold's too pretty to wrap, number one. Number two is the ceramic coating keeps the heat in, so you're okay there. And that uh, D-deck 4 turbo that we use, that turbine housing, um, that, that works really good for local running too.
6: I mean, it, it doesn't like to come to life till about 14, 14 50, and then she really starts to pull. But, you know, the locations well, I'm going to be pulling out of, i got to go across town before I even get to a highway. So I'm going to be in town 15, 20 minutes even before I get up to speed.
2: Uh, put the turbo boot on it, and that'll pick it up sooner. And maybe Leroy can make an adjustment in your tune to bring the power on a little sooner. Now... I know it's what an turbo expensive. What are you
6: talking about?
2: It's the it's an insulated cover that goes over the turbine housing.
6: Oh, the blanket? I just bought that today.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll you'll notice that it uh, you'll have you'll lose less boost between shifts. It keeps under the hood cooler, and the turbo accelerates quicker. Now that's not for a cats. And that's not for variable geometry turbos. That's for somebody like you that's running a 2002 and older engine and needs the turbo to spool up a little quicker without increasing back pressure in the engine.
6: Because we spoke a few months ago, and I, was, I, I got the gears at home. I almost put 264s in this, and kind of glad I didn't because, I mean, I don't even think I'm going to see highway speed but a couple times a day. Okay. Good so uh, I, mean, I might have a set of gears up for sale here before long. <laughs> okay, you yeah, have the ring and pinion? I got the, the full. I bought the whole axle assemblies.
2: And kind of a, why don't you tell us stuff stuff what they are, what models they are, and what they'll fit? Hmm.
6: Well, the the Meritor two hundred and sixty four is out of a two thousand and sixteen um, Volvo. I don't think any Volvo, I I believe, at this point.
2: Is there a model number?
6: I don't have it handy. I'm in the truck. But from 99 to, I think, 2018, it didn't change, if I remember correctly. Do you
2: want to give out your name and phone number, or do you want to have people call us to get it?
6: I'm not sure if I'm going to put them up for sale yet. I just it was okay. just a comment because because I okay. doing doing local work asphalt. I don't I don't think that'd be beneficial to me.
2: Sure, I understand. That's why we always ask. You know, when people call, they'll call and say, "What gear should I put in my truck, Mom?" Well, there's a lot of questions to be asked prior to selecting the gears because it's all in what the truck's going to do.
6: Well, I said, um when I was doing the two sixty fours. I was doing over the road. Um, Got uh, dump trailer, and then uh, mm-hmm. I've been saving my money, saving my money, my money, and finally a deal of the lifetime come up, and I couldn't turn it away, so I snatched it up. You know, so now I got a trailer set behind the building, and I'm ready to put to work. I'm just waiting for the registration for the gig years so I can get the tags, and I'm changing my whole deal. I, you know, I'm leaving the company I'm at. I'm no more. Um, I'm not leased on anybody. I'm my own entity. I'm I'm ready. I just gotta try to get the truck buttoned up. You know, do a fresh pm on it, so. When I'm ready to go to work, I'm not down.
0: Good, congratulations.
6: And uh, I was real curious about wrapping the manifold. I know they're pretty. I don't want to, but you know, if I got the turbo wrapped and I got the, the exhaust pipes wrapped, I was thinking, you know, what's one more wrap? <laughs> yeah,
2: no, don't don't wrap the manifold because it uh, it does a great job of protecting the flow and keeping the air hot to get it out of the engine.
6: And I forgot to ask Anthony. Uh, is there the torque specs and uh, uh, rotation for putting that on? Is that in the box?
2: To putting the manifold on?
6: Yeah, the torque steep and the torque values.
2: Yeah. And you always, even if you don't have it, when you're doing something that long, you always start in the center and work your way out.
6: Yeah, that's, that's common. We used to do a lot of gas motors back when I was younger.
2: Yeah. I think, <laughs> is that. Um, it's just like putting an intake manifold on a small block Chevy or small block Ford, right? You start in the center and work to the ends. Hey, what's the, correct. What what's the torque on the uh, exhaust manifold it's on eight,
1: tre- right? 45 to fifty uh, pounds torque. Forty five to fifty. Forty five to fifty? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. always snag go I- first and then go to the final torque second.
6: I appreciate it. All right, fellas, I'll get out of the way and I'll let someone else jump in. Thank you very much.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to North Carolina. Tony, welcome. Morning, Kevin. Morning, fellas. Uh, I have a
7: question. Was that a Volvo? Uh, I could have heard it wrong. Was that a Volvo for the aggregate driver that just called? Yes. Yes. Because I didn't think they worked on Volvos, and that was my question, or is it just pack car that um, that they don't really work on cuz that that's my question is cuz I've been driving this pack car a long time and it's just for you know years down the road and planning what what's the next truck
2: so when you said what doesn't work what he talked about the 264 gears he talked about wrapping the the turbo boot he talked about so which item are you referring to
7: Oh no! I just meant as far as what truck to buy in general to get uh, service done on.
2: Oh
1: wow! We had a Detroit in that Volvo, uh, yeah. And we work on that uh, comes in Detroit.
7: Okay, I don't know why I thought that you didn't um, uh, work on Volvo. So at, and of course don't. you don't do the OPS and everything. And oh, you don't
1: the engine. No, no. you know, the trucks. D13, we work on we work a Volvo. With a you know, right. Volvo truck with a uh, Detroit in it, we'll work on that, of course.
2: Or it's some older right. Volvos had N14s. Right.
1: I didn't even I know they, they,
7: they had those. I guess those are older. So, okay. Can you um, can you set me at ease as far as Cummins? Because I know you guys work on Cummins all day. And for some reason, I am afraid of that engine. But I don't want to get a Packard. If I if I do get a PACCAR truck, I don't want the engine because you guys won't work on it. And I hate their service. I hate uh, Peterbilt service. They've done me wrong. I want to go to Pittsburgh Power. Why am I so afraid of a Cummins engine?
0: Probably because you listen to me too yeah. often. <laughs> <Yeah>. You listen <laughs> to Kevin and not us. <laughs>
2: yeah no, that's, that's, listen to us we're the but, mechanic and, i've seen a lot of them it? in the shop are you going to buy new or used
7: uh probably gonna buy uh, buy used. and kevin i know the business side of this question can wait i know where you're going but but yeah used probably yeah
2: all right well when you find the truck give me a call when you find a used truck and find out the tire size the rear gears the transmission and the engine and uh, get how many miles are on it And if you can find out what's been done to it uh, Call me and we'll talk about it I'll help you
7: That's right uh, Kevin, would you want an oil change on any truck If it's suspect uh, Would uh, I did, uh, Not oil change, but oil sample Like, Is that something you should look at on a truck He might Always. not be listening But is that a good idea Always Always.
0: I I can't imagine why you wouldn't oil sample on a regular basis. Now, you know, I think oil sampling should be along with better filtration like an OPS and extended drains. That's the best way. But even if you're not going to go the OPS route, I would still sample you know, today's newer engines, you can go 50,000, 75,000 miles between changes, even if you only sampled then. I, I think you should sample every 25,000, but if you waited and did it on your oil changes at 50 or 75 on these new trucks, it's still better. We we have, I, I can't tell you how many times we've caught um, a couple of things that are really destructive, fuel dilution and uh, dirt, silicon. Those two things, uh, you know, fuel intrusion will wipe out bearings. Dirt will wipe out cylinders, and you can catch it so early on an oil sample and save what today is now a forty thousand dollar engine. Okay, so for all the
7: Volvo people that are looking at Volvo because of Joel and wanting to get fuel economy, uh, before I turn them off to uh, to Pittsburgh Power, is there anything in the works as, as far as? Uh, getting get Pittsburgh so, Power to look at Volvos any more than new ones, or is, is that just not your so,
0: specialty? So here, before they even answer that, here here would be my model. If I owned trucks, uh, Pittsburgh Power would be my primary shop, even if I had a fleet of Volvos. They would be the primary for everything other than just specific engine problems because they, they can do everything else on the truck, <laughs> And then I would have a dealer or an engine shop that got all my engine work. And that was the same setup I had for Detroit when I had my trucks in Orlando. The Detroit garage was right next to our building. I could walk back after dropping a truck off. And they were an excellent Detroit shop. Had a great relationship with them for years. They got all of my engine work. And then I had an independent shop that got everything else. And it worked really well. Thank God. Now, okay, now they are back into the picture.
7: The only thing is when I look at Volvos, I know they're they're fuel efficient, but they just, you know, I'm not saying that Joel is plastic, man, but the, the
0: gauges just look Mickey Mouse, you know? I, I, uh, I'll tell you I the opposite be- experience. Owning Volvos for years, owning f- Freightliners, owning Fords, um, by far, the Volvo was the highest quality on every part my the interior on every volvo that i owned at 1.3 million miles when i got rid of it there was almost nothing wrong with the interior there was no paint wore off all the switches and things weren't i hadn't replaced a bunch of panels and they were still like new inside the freight liners that i owned at a million miles, I had to tear the entire interior apart and replace almost everything if I wanted to keep driving that truck. They were awful inside. And the Ford, don't even get me started yeah. on the Ford. That thing was horrible. Nah. All right. Kevin, Kevin, Joel, Kevin go ahead I, I got to say I to I, I know something. what you're going to say. Let me if, guess. Are you going to tell if, me? If, and you're if, right. If you I, would I see, didn't own many would pack see
2: Al now you would see Al hammerson's the Cascadia that he had, um, and it was well over a million miles. But it was it was still perfect. But he's good. a perfect guy. I mean, he he really knows how to take care of stuff. So no, I'll I'll address now, that. Now when you're looking at columbia's in centuries, they're a little good. different. But when you get to the higher end some of those
0: so freight liners still look good inside with a lot of miles on them so here's the story behind that i didn't own any cascadias i was out of buying trucks by the time the cascadia came out but i f- i was living in florida at the time i flew out to portland to drive the cascadia before they released it i drove a cascadia all over portland uh and they disguise it they put You know, you can't see, they got big padding all over the outside of the truck, so you can't tell what it is. And I got to drive that truck before it was released. And somebody listening may even remember this. This is back in like 08, probably 07, 08. It was 07. Um, I came on and said, you know what? I think this truck finally brought the interior back to the way they should be, kind of like an FLD. I said, this truck feels far more quality than the centuries and the uh, the other one ever felt. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I said that when I drove it back then. I've just never owned one.
2: You know, we get we see a fair amount of Dodge Cummins pickups, and the ones that are used for work and in the oil patch and everything else. I mean, they're just covered with mud and dirt and. And that plays havoc on an interior. You look at the interior of my 95 Dodge, I mean, it was perfect. After yeah. a quarter million miles. <laughs> so
0: so interior wear and care has to do with the person that's in it. Uh, sometimes. and you, you know that the, the centuries and the Columbias were just awful. Their interiors, that dash yeah. was yeah. so bad. It was so poorly put together. Yeah.
7: Hey, Bruce. Yes. I want to thank you for uh, offering to to let me uh, call you on that. I do have a question, though, before we forget about the catalyst. Now, that catalyst, of course, can go in the Volvos as well, just like everything else, correct?
2: Uh, we've got guys buying new Volvos, and they're not using it. And at 300,000 miles, they're starting to have emission problems. And we just had a guy run, he called... Uh, called us last week or did he call into the show he's at a half a million miles he's been running catalyst since day one he's had zero failures and he's going to come in and we're going to go through his emission system and uh, and do a dpf cleaning and he hopes to go another million or five hundred thousand before he has any emission problems so he's looking to hit a million miles trouble free Right, right. I've been missing a
7: couple tanks these past uh, couple weeks because uh, the Petro was, didn't have it. Is that OK if you just start up once you can find yourself a gallon of a catalyst? I know you're going to say to order it online and or, or no, come no. by and pick up a, a five gallon drum of it so you don't I run out. I,
2: I don't say that. We have 145 dealers in North America. And the newest one's in Eastern Maryland, LKQ. And uh, so we we promote, promote and support our dealers. For
7: some reason, I thought every
2: Petro would have
7: them since a lot of them do. Uh, uh, I just couldn't. They didn't have it when I was there, and so it's okay to miss a couple of tanks and then start right back up again. You don't,
2: you know, sure. lose the whole life. Think, think of think of the Max Molly's catalyst as vitamin C. I mean, I I take a lot of vitamin C. I just came off a cruise ship of nine days, and a lot of the people that I was with, I was with a group of twenty two. Most of them came down with uh, what they're calling the new strand of COVID. But Debbie and I take Metagenics Ultra and I take... 2,000 milligram a day but I felt a little funny when I got off this cruise ship so for the next two days I took 6,000 milligrams and I didn't get it and neither did Debbie so it's the same way with the catalyst in the engine if you miss a tank here and there that's okay you you may feel it if you're sensitive to your truck you'll feel that it doesn't run as good it's not as smooth and not as quiet but then follow it up with the next
0: tank Hey to Tony, the catalyst back in it Tony yeah, I'm here. I, I I can help you out here. Here's what I need you to do. Since you're worried about you know missing those tanks and how do you get this restarted, I'm going to help you out. First off, you got to find a quiet place and you gotta you gotta sit quietly with your truck. You need to apologize. To the truck for, for lacking in, in good all proper right, make. Come, right. come on. Yeah, yeah. Then, then, once we finish that, uh-huh. we need a moment of silence and then you can go ahead and, and give it an offering of catalyst again and everything will be fine. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay yeah, ha ha, that's funny. Uh, so, but on the catalyst,
7: it does mix itself, right? Like, I'm okay just filling up the tank and putting in my ounces and that. But put it in before it's, you start it's pumping. That- Hello, did I did I lose everybody? I I think everybody lost everybody. Huh? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it mixes itself. So I'll just. It. I'm pretty sure it mixes itself. You just add it at the top, and and that'll be it. I
0: got it. Tony, Tony, real quick. You could add it at the top. It'll mix itself, but put it in first, and then pump. Then it mixes really well. Ah, okay. I will do that. There you go.
2: Anytime you're putting anything in and you're going to mix any, any liquids, you you always want to put the concentrated part in first.
7: Just the chemist in me said that that would be too much of a concentration at first, but you're adding that fuel in pretty quick. Right. So, yeah, I never thought
0: of that. Yep, that'll, that'll mix it really well, and uh, you'll be all set. Let's, uh, let's grab another call piling up on us here. Let's go to Michigan. Juan, welcome to the program.
3: Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. What's on your mind today? Um, I spoke with uh, Bruce and Pete a while back, helped me with an oil consumption on uh, Big Cam 4. Um, and I called Pete back, let him know it, uh, it was that SPC valve that uh, was the the, the, the problem um and then i guess i was calling today because i wanted to it's got the low flow cooling system i wanted to see what it takes to switch over to high flow just because i'm pulling uh michigan um gravel train and or lead sometimes and we're pulling heavy weight and i guess i was just uh trying to keep the engine cool i mean it's running uh 210 for most part of the day but i don't know if that's too high or I'm just overthinking about it. It is my first truck. I first spoke with uh, Bruce um, a few months back and he told me to learn my truck and I really uh, do appreciate what uh, Bruce is doing with, it, um, with the show and uh, he does call back late at night. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I, I just started listening to you guys and I try to listen every every week, and uh, yeah, I guess that's what I was calling about, trying to switch over to a high-flow system. Well, Pete,
2: Pete that's on the phone with us is the world expert on that conversion, and Pete can tell you every part that you're going to need and everything you need to change, what you can get in used parts, what you're going to need in new parts, and uh, what what we can supply you and what you'll have to find locally. So, it's a pretty long list. You should actually call Pete on the landline.
3: Yeah, yeah. I did a call, and they are like, hey, he's on the radio show. So, I was like, well, how do I listen live? And they told me. So, I uh, jumped in, and I was uh, really surprised. I was able to get in. Um, another question. if you guys got a second? I just recently bought a, a decommissioned fire truck. It's got the ISL Cummins. Um, it's only got 98,000 miles, and it's a 400. That is... I guess I was wondering if that is compatible with uh, my my uh, big cam 4 or not, or am I able to? If this one was to go to put, hoping it doesn't, but uh, I guess wondering if I could drop that one in and replace with this one.
2: The ISL. Yes, sir. The ISL is a much smaller engine.
3: Oh, is it? Okay. No, I was oh, just yeah. wondering. I called the, the hmm. fire manufacturer or the, the people that made it, and they said it was an ISL 400. So I'm running the big cam 4 400. Um, I guess I was just curious of if, uh, yeah, if they work together or not.
0: Uh-huh.
3: But that answers the question. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Texas. Andrew, welcome.
3: Uh,
8: yes sir, um, I have a, I'm a company driver uh, with a construction company here locally, and I've got an interesting little light issue going on, and I'm taking it to two different mechanics, and they don't know what's going on. It's a 06 sterling, uh, the, on the lights, my turn signals work each way, uh, my clearance lights work, but when I turn on my four ways, they don't work. And when I turn on and when I hit my brakes, they don't work. My brake lights don't work. Now, they work on the trailer, but they don't work on the tractor. I've uh, taken two different mechanics, and either one of them can figure out what's going on with it.
5: Where do you live?
4: Lubbock, Texas. Yeah, so, I mean, there, there could be a few things going on. Um, I have don't know because it's not in front of me. I'd love to see it in person, but not all circuits go through the the same thing. So you can have a turn signal that works but a four-way doesn't work because the switch and potentially a fuse and or relay for that circuit aren't on the same line before they get to the bulb so even though all r- roads kind of lead to Rome uh, if one of those paths are broken then you you can have a situation like what you're having so I mean off top of my head it could be you know ob- be something obvious like a switch or a relay not working or it could be uh, you know some sort of wiring behind the dash or something like that but uh, that's just a few thoughts I have off top of my head
8: okay thank you very much
0: you're welcome no problem Thanks for the call. Let's go to Pennsylvania. John, it's your turn. Welcome.
9: Hey, guys. You hear me?
0: Yep. What can we help you with today?
9: Uh, Two questions. First one, an 07 W900, a Cat acer, Bought it new in 07. Changed fuel filters. Every time I changed the oil, no problems. After a couple of years, uh, started changing them all the time. Like every 5,000 miles, the gauge is up. I gotta change them. Like two years ago, I bought a outside 500 gallon skid tank and they fill it every week and then I fill my truck out of there. For the first year, it was great. Back to the way it was. No more fuel filter problems. Changed them when I changed the oil. Now it's starting again every 5,000 miles. I'm guessing maybe there's water or moisture growing in that thing or?
2: Sounds like algae. If if you drain the fuel filter through your palm of your hand, do you see little black specks?
9: I mean, I didn't try it, but I I will. But like, okay. well, so when they deliver the fuel, it's filtered through the truck. I have a filter base on the pump, so it's filtered twice before it even hits the engine filters.
2: Right, right. Um, take can you look in the top of your tank with a high with an LED flashlight?
9: Yep, I've done
2: that. Okay. Does uh, it does it look clear and is the tank clean inside?
9: Yes. And the passenger tank I actually had off. I cleaned it out, looked at it, I didn't see nothing in it.
2: No, I'm talking about your Bob Grand tank.
9: Oh, no, I didn't on that one, but I can.
2: Yeah, look inside that, because that's where I think you're going to find the algae.
1: So what do I do about that?
2: Pete, Pete, what do we have? Is it Kill'em?
1: We use Kill'em when Tony has algae. It's it's, uh, made by FPPF. It's a good product that will kill the algae. So you like, and well, you,
9: do you yeah. sell it, too, or should I get it from them?
1: You know, we, can sell we sell it up. here. They can get it, uh, call us up and get it or get it online. Okay.
9: And then you uh, that will definitely block up the filters? you think that?
1: Algae will block filters for sure.
9: Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And how about water? Could it be moisture in it?
1: <laughs> well, moisture would cause the algae. If there's moisture in the water, or water in the fuel, algae can grow then. The more water and fuel, the more chance you have of having algae.
9: But if there's just water, will that will that cause my filters to block or no? Yes. hmm hmm Okay. And is this stuff do I have to use it every time or
1: just once? Oh, you have to use it for a while. So it it, it treats quite a bit. It's pretty concentrated. It's a um 16 ounce bottle, and you use an ounce for a fair amount of fuel. It's pretty concentrated, but you want to use at least that whole bottle to ensure that it's kind of like taking an antibiotic for an infection. You've got to make sure the infection is gone.
9: If I About pump the time. fuel out of the tank into a bucket, can I see the allergy?
2: No, it usually stays down in the bottom of the tank. That's why the best place to check it is in your fuel filter by dumping it through the palm of your hand. I'm looking for little black specks. Okay. Yeah, I'll try that next time. But call our shop and get a couple bottles of the Killam and, and treat it.
6: Yeah, for sure.
2: It's not going to hurt anything. Okay. I mean, when you have the bub ground tank, you're subjected to the warmth and then the cold. Where do you live?
9: East side of PA.
2: Okay, so you, you've got temperature changes going on right now.
9: Yeah, you can see the condensation level at the fuel level every day where it is.
1: Mm-hmm.
9: Uh, so I'll try that. Then the other question I got is I have a 2019 W900, a glider kit, the 60 Series. Bought it new. The guy drove it, 400,000 miles on it. He retires, got a new guy in it. The guy's complaining ain't got no power. So I used it one day myself. Yeah, it don't have no power. So I deal with Caterpillar over here, took it to them put it on the dyno. They said there was a fuel sitting sucking air. They changed it. They said, it's good to go. So I pick it up. He gives me the dyno sheet. The thing shows it makes 352 horsepower. I said, what's up <laughs> why is this? He says, well, it's only set at 430. That's all it should make. So I don't know, yeah. is that right? Sounds pretty little yeah. to me 1290
2: torque. Yeah, that's pretty low. Um, why don't you let us program it and we'll give it? Is there a driver on it now? Yeah, that's the other part of the question. So it's okay.
9: not going to be so, driving right. It's flat to the floor. It's beat hard. Is there so some let's, advantage let's, to do it or not?
2: Yeah, let's make it a, just a basic five hundred. Okay, five hundred, which will be thirty pound of turbo boost.
9: And then, do you tune it any different, knowing that's the way it's going to be driven?
2: Yes. So, where where does this truck run?
9: Florida, TA.
2: He you go up and down I-95? Yep. I could meet him on 95. I have a remote tune kit, and I'm in Maryland right now. He's in
9: Florida now. Well, okay. I, I think there's one on the east side of PA that does it mm-hmm. on your website, that's... I found. Yeah. Well, be... Will they come to my shop and do it, or I got to go to him?
2: Yeah, that's that's up to him. You have to call him. Let me see who that is. So in Pennsylvania we have Allentown, Indiana, Marietta, Shanksville.
9: Probably Allentown. I thought it said like uh Slatington was the address.
2: Or Slatedale or something. Pete, do you know that
4: remote tune dealer or Leroy?
1: No, I don't.
4: Um I can't think of the name, no.
1: Whatever's on the website should be current.
4: Yeah. What area code are you?
1: Six one zero. Here
2: it was. Six one zero. That's.
9: Totic.
2: Uh, Hauser's Truck Service is Six ten. He's in Allentown.
9: Okay, I, I can figure it. I find that out. Yeah. And, and do I make an appointment with him or with you, or how does that work?
2: No, you make the appointment with him. He makes the appointment with us. Okay. Make and sure you I'll let Leroy or J.R. And, uh, I'll be here. I'll, I'll be back in Saxonburg next week for the week, and then I'll be back in Maryland for a couple weeks, and then uh, I'll be going on to Florida for the winter. But I usually always have a remote tune kit with me. Okay, and what's that cost? 14 Well, on that one, what's the price on that, Leroy or Pete? Pete, that's going to be Wait, a year, basic.
1: It's a 500-horsepower tune.
2: 500 on the d-deck for detroit yes.
9: Yeah,
7: i think, I think
9: it's a 98 $1. engine 650.
2: 650 dollars
9: okay. yeah that ain't bad i'll definitely look into that then. Boy, that's, and that ain't gonna well, hurt some, nothing if he drives it radically
2: no but if i get to talk to him maybe we can talk some sense into him
9: nah, good luck <laughs> I'll, I'll pay you for that
2: <laughs> why'd you hire him
9: because he shows up, does what he's supposed to do, and takes care of the truck. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me money. Okay.
2: All right, maybe thanks, if, the, guys. if the truck runs good and we talk to him about what's in the boost gauge and the exhaust gas temperature gauge and proper ways to drive it, maybe it'll sink. Maybe, it'll, maybe he'll realize. But hey,
9: Where are you at off of
2: 95 in Maryland? Uh. The intersection of 50 and 95, 50, 95. Okay. Yep. I'm actually, I'm about a half hour drive, half hour, 45 minutes. I'm over towards Annapolis, Maryland. Yeah, That's all right. I don't mind.
9: Okay. All right. I'll see what I can figure out with
0: it. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Louisiana. Mark, welcome to the program.
8: Before I get to my point uh to Tony, just go on the subscription for the catalyst. Bruce'll send you a from a small fee, he'll send you a little beaker. you can pour it all off out into go to Walmart, go to the cooking section, get a five ounce measuring uh uh device. It's glass, but it's your side box, and every time you fuel, it just it's, you just put it in there and it works. you don't don't even have to go to walmart now
2: we have glass beakers or they're a hard plastic they almost feel like glass and it's real easy to use it has a nice poor spout
8: yeah well when i first bought i I was there i got it the first day you ever put it on sale because that was my son's birthday because that's how i remember it but I, i went over there to uh, cranberry to Walmart And I was like, I need something to measure this with and I found these beakers that they have over there that's In the cooking section i yeah. They're like two bucks And I always grab about four or five of those Because they break, because you drop them But my point that I'm calling about Is Bruce got on this Was talking about $50 for a freaking forklift. When I went to California A week or a couple of weeks ago I put my truck in the shop to get an oil change I said, I know I got some air leaks Do a PM And just, you know and I knew that I was wanting to change out my leveling valves on my car hauling trailer. There's two. So I got them from Cottrell. I ordered them. They're Hendrickson. And I'm like, I'm tired of this guy nickel and dime me on hours. So I'm not even going to tell him about that shit. Well, I get a phone call after I get out of the mountains and he's like, Oh yeah, well we found, we think it's a leveling valve and we're going to have to get into to uh, lift the grade off of the back of your truck. And you know, there's four bolts there. That's going to be extra. Well, I get the bill Saturday morning out there. It's 20, almost $2,500 for all this shit. And I looked on through it and it's like, we put airbags on there and he went back in there and patched the leaks where they connected them and all like that. Anyway, I just, I went out there and had a discussion with him and I said, look, I said, we got to talk about this line by line. And he ended up taking $400 off. And I went out there to get in the truck It was out of air. There was no air in the damn vehicle at all. Of course, it sat a few days. And I'm like, because I told him I said, I hear air coming through the dash. And I went back in and I said, you never went out and checked it. All the air is completely leaked out. I've got work to go do. And I'm like, I I can't with you anymore because it's like I come in here for something. And it's like you never do what you're supposed to do when it comes to the, the certain items. And there's always an issue. And you say you can't find it. And you charge me this, an hour for this, an hour for that, an hour for this, an hour to connect the bolts. And I'm like, you know, I said, look, I got a guy in Montgomery I can go to. He jumps right on it. You make me wait. I have to go get airbags when I come back off a trip or whatever. I like rednecks three hours away. I can just go up there. I got a relationship with them. And oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, there's a, I found out there's a place in Houston that's got two offices, and they specialize in air leaks. And I go over there the other day. Friday, I go in there, and I said, he's like, well, I don't hear any air leaks. I said, I hear air in the dash when I get in the city. He crawled underneath there. Oh, you have a bad brake chamber. $200 out the door with 45 minutes, and it's like, they're Mexican. They barely speak English, and it's like, you know, I mean, you know, there's, there's, and, and then the main matter's worse. I had a problem with a headlight, and I was going to pass by a shop, and I said, "Hey, can I come in there and we can take a look at this?" Well, not today. And finally, I had to ask Paul's like, add up everything you spent with him. And I, and I added up everything I spent with this guy, which is about over twenty thousand dollars, because he did a turbo, he did this, he did that, rebuilt the front, uh, the, the the spring hangers, and I went in there and said, "Look, I spent this money with you," and he's like, he didn't even have a clue is what I had spent with him. And, you know, I tried to build a relationship with these people. I wanted to build a relationship with these people, but it's like, now it's like I've lost confidence in these people. So
0: I got hey, a guy in hey, Montgomery
8: Mark. I can go into. I, he, he did my AC in one day.
0: Mark, the worst experience go I had with, with, yeah. with this was the year I spent in Jacksonville. I mean, I was to the point where if I was staying in Jacksonville, I was going to have to widen my circle of, of potential shops out to about 200 miles. I just couldn't find anybody. I mean, it, there were shops. I'd go in. They weren't shops you could really build relationships with. It, you know, I talk about it all the time. It doesn't mean that every shop you walk into, it's going to work. In fact, most of the time it doesn't. It, it And, you know, I moved You're to Orlando back. and it, it took me almost a year in Orlando before I found you know, that the two shops that I really stuck with. And and that seems to be getting harder all the time, not easier.
8: Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, Redneck's three, three, three and a half hours to the north. I'm through Montgomery all the time. The guy in Montgomery, I was a walk-in to him. He did my DEF pump. He's done my radiator and he's done my AC. And I went in there with my AC and I was in and out the same day. I mean, and, and the radiator took a little over because they sent the wrong freaking radiator. But it was like it, it went out in Meridian, and I nursed it over there because I knew this guy could relocate could locate a part. So I've got a relationship with him. He's just six hundred miles away, but it's fine, like, you know. And then there's Pittsburgh Power for all the major stuff and overheads and whatnot. Uh, uh, yeah, I set the overhead. But it's like you. you and I've been to T and E before, but I just don't go through there anymore. But it's like. You know, it's like you you sit there and this you find you oh man, you know it's frustrating because it's like they don't I I it's like they don't have business sense or whatever. But I'm telling you, I I went to this Hispanic place over over in Galena Park on the Ship Channel that specialized in air leaks and suspensions, this that and the other. And I was impressed with them. I took a picture of it and I sent to Paul and Harold of the of the place. the lesson here.
0: The lesson here, since this is getting harder, not easier, is we really, really have to support the shops that that are the shops we want to work with. And I get it. It's inconvenient. Sometimes they're a long way away, or we got to change where we're running. Or, But just like you're having this much trouble finding a good shop, I will promise you every one of those shops is having the same trouble finding good employees. And that's the struggle.
8: I'm sure they are. Yeah. But you know, it is just, it, it's the, it's all, it's the big things for the, yeah, it's the little things. It's like, he didn't have a clue as to fact what he was charging me, he had well, that, to go over that, the bill. Then and, and
0: Paul, you just got to move on or Mark, you just got to move on.
8: Well, I, I have, I, I, no, I have moved on, yeah, but I was I mean, just, it's... you know, I told Paul yesterday, I said, I'm going to call and talk about this shop and how it is. Do you have to, you know, you look to build relationships came to them because I got rid of another shop over there they
0: yeah. put a freaking hydraulic hose in. You know, this this so. idea of business is built on relationships. It just is. And I, I know there's a group that every time I say the word relationship, they push back. Uh, you can't build relationships with anybody. Well, you can, but it's hard work. This is part of the do the hard work that I talk about. And many people just give up. Because it's not easy. And then the really frustrating thing is you can work really hard to build a relationship with a shop and the service manager changes and everything goes to hell. Yeah, I've seen that happen. And guess what? You got to pull up your pants and put on your boots and go look for somebody else. And it is hard and it's getting harder. And that's why I say when we find these shops as a tribe, we need to support them.
8: I I agree. People were looking at me about this shop and asking me about it. And I finally come back and had to say,
0: "Don't go there. They're going to nickel and
8: dime you an you know, hour, and they and, and 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 you know."
0: I will say the exact same know. thing about other services that we need. Brokers, big one. You got to work hard to find the really good ones and build the relationship. Uh, functional medicine doctors and practitioners just because they're functional medicine does not mean that they're the people we want to be working with that's just the first step it, the first step is okay they they believe in functional medicine but most of them that i find i don't want to go to it's really hard to find the good ones and it's like this with everything but that it, it is a big part of the it hard work no know. it is. i know
8: yeah, I mean you, and you like to do business with people you like. I mean right. that's another thing. It's like if you like the people, it's like you'll overlook cost. I mean, at first I started liking these people, and it was like it was good. But it was like when I came in there, they changed the shocks on my trailers. I brought them the shocks because I bought them in Florida, brought them back, didn't have time to put them on there. So can you put these on? And it came back in four hours, $500 you, to do it, and I felt kind of high. I didn't say anything about it because I don't, don't want to come across as
0: cheap. Uh, you I, know, whether it's right or not, and it's probably not, I'll tell you why that may have seen, seemed high. Because they didn't make any money on the parts. Yeah. You brought them the parts. Somebody else yeah, got right. that part of the profit, so... You know, normally they they make a little on the labor, they make a little on the parts. So if they're not going to get the profit on the well, parts, three
8: hundred three hundred and thirty dollars for these freaking airbags. I, I found I found the fleet pride for one hundred and thirty six, and they were continental brands made in Germany, so it wasn't Chinese shit.
0: I, I get it, I get it. It's you not know, easy. It's that's like, that's why we say you know, do the hard you know, work. You know,
8: you're watching your cost. You're trying to yeah, you're trying to watch your costs, and you get there, and it's like, and then it's like. They come in there at this angle, but it's like, you know, I don't mind, you know, you're making an hour, you're making $125 an hour, and you're out in the middle of nowhere. So it's not exactly like you're, you're in the middle of Houston paying, you know, whatever the taxes they have. But Well, it, I, it's I, like,
0: I, I will tell you this, and, and Bruce just mentioned their labor rate, $125 an hour doesn't cover much of anything anymore. I mean, that, that, I, I, the inflation, I swear, is just hard to keep up with. You know, I, I, if you read the news, you wouldn't be completely convinced that there is a lot of inflation. They're still trying to convince us that it went down. It's not that bad. It's awful. I, I am shocked at how much I, I have to pay for anything and everything anymore. And it doesn't seem to be slowing down. And I think it is what will finally crash this economy. And a lot of it is being driven by energy prices and we're we're not drilling and we're we're you know killing the the energy sector in our our economy and everything's getting expensive and we can't support this much longer. Three things happening right now, if all three of them continue or happen, things are going to get very interesting. If two of them happen or continue, it's going to get very interesting and just one of them, could have a big impact. And what I'm talking about is the potential government shutdown that may happen, almost never does, but it may, Um, that could be devastating to our economy. Uh, Won't bother me much. I kind of like the idea of the government shutting down, but that's a whole different story. Um, The UAW strike and the fact that um, on October 1st, people have to start paying their student loan debt off again. And if you don't think that that's going to have an impact you're wrong. There is gazillions of dollars of student loan debt out there that people have not had to pay for. And when they do, that means their discretionary income goes way down and they have to stop buying something else. And that's, what's going to take this economy down. And if those three things, if the government actually does shut down, uh, if UAW stays on strike and people have to start paying back their student loan debt, uh, I think that may be what triggers a recession. All right, let's uh, let's get off the economics lesson and grab another call. Let's go to Phoenix. Russ, welcome to the program.
8: Morning, gentlemen. Got a lease truck, uh, company driver, 2023 Cascadia, 500 efficiency. My question is what am I looking into the future for cuz this thing is geared outrageous.
0: Wait. Um wait, wait. I want to go back. Did did you say this was your truck sir. or no?
8: No, company truck.
0: Okay. Uh and you're worried I'm about just, I'm, maintenance I'm, I'm, I'm in the future?
8: Well, I I'm I'm the the kind of employee that likes to look ahead.
0: No, I appreciate that, but uh, but I also know that unfortunately you may end up very very frustrated. Uh, because you have zero control over this issue. I, I don't know how much the, the company may work with you. I mean, we could certainly recommend the Catalyst to, to help, but are, are you going to pay for that out of your pocket? Are you going to be able to get the company to pay for it? I'm just trying, before we spend a lot of time on a bunch of ideas, I mean, we kind of know have to know how much control you have here.
8: Uh, next to none, I'm just trying to figure out for the RPM that, that, that the truck runs, how, hey, hey, how here, long is it going to be before I,
0: before I have a lot of issues? I, I, I love the fact that you're this conscientious, but again, it, there's no point in us talking about what RPM range to operate in because you are completely constricted by the specs that are there. Um, I, if 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 this were me and this was the truck I was assigned to drive, I wouldn't even think about RPM. I would think about speed. Speed is more important in the day-to-day operations, and you can kind of customize your speed to get better fuel economy if you have time, if you want to be conscientious and help the company. But trying to manage RPM is going to be in conflict sometimes with your the speeds you need to run to stay on schedule and do other things. If it were an owner-operator truck and we could respec things or change some things, we may do that. But, but again, you don't have that option. So I, 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 I wouldn't try driving by RPM. I, I would drive by speed, and the company's just going to have to deal with the effects of their specking. Um If it's specced wrong and mm-hmm. you're wondering when you're probably going to see issues, probably around two hundred and fifty three hundred thousand 300,000 miles, they can start that early. Uh, and then once they start, if the company's mm-hmm. not doing mm-hmm. anything like using catalyst or trying to solve any of these problems, they'll just continue, and, and it will be a constant almost. Mm-hmm. More regens, more that's, problems. That's just what engine is it? Is it a Detroit?
2: No, it's
8: a, uh, X15. the X fifteen.
2: The X fifteen, and what speed do you drive?
8: Uh, well, I do. I work for equipment rental, so I'm. It's, it's all go all the time. Um, um, uh,
5: the governed at 65, that's the local speed limit.
2: Is that where you run it, it at 64?
5: Uh, at, at 65, yeah. Okay,
2: but and what's your it, RPM? We're, we're, what's your 1675.
0: RPM? Seventy five. 1675? Yep. Hey, Bruce, the, the key word here, they're equipment rental. They've been, they're still speccing their trucks the way they specced them 30 years ago. Local, low gear Holy ratios. Car. Yeah. It, 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 that's kind of why I'm, I'm, I'm. you have almost zero control over anything here. It's limited to 65. No big yeah. deal there. Um, it, 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 there, there's not much you can do to drive this truck any differently because most of the time you're just going through the gears. Uh, I would expect that you're going to have emission issues. The catalyst would help a lot. If you if you can get the company to to spring for the catalyst, it will probably save them tens of thousands of dollars. Hey, by the way, that engine cuts out at $1,400, so... If
2: you want to try to drive it right, you need to get it down to 1350 on the RPM. So you're, you don't have much of a choice there. If you're at 1650 at 65 miles an hour, they, yeah, they made do? a huge mistake yeah. to respect that truck. But try it. Are you driving right now? Uh, no, sir, I'm not. Right. Try Try 1,400 and see where it puts you speed wise, and that's where you want to be. Sounds like it's going to be about forty-nine I think it's be miles an slow. hour. Yeah. Yeah.
5: At, at,
8: at fifty-five, it's uh, fourteen hundred and a yeah,
0: like I said, about forty-nine miles an hour is where you'd have to yeah, run this so, thing. Uh, and yeah. and the problem see, that, with running that, at high RPM mm-hmm. on an emission engine is it lowers the temperatures. We can't keep enough heat in the engine to get it. You know, you might want to attempt to maybe watch the temperature and block off the radiator a little bit and see if we can get the temperature up. But uh, this thing is just specced so poorly for, for this operation. It's There's going to be maintenance issues. So they, this is a prime example of people speccing a
2: truck. They go to the dealership, they order it, and the salesman not knowing – he puts the order through. The, there should have been a huge red flag.
0: That the, the, sales and the salesman don't should have know. said, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, yeah. wait this, isn't, this isn't right. Bruce, my guess is we could go back through the history of this company. They probably buy, have been buying from the same dealer forever, and they probably have not changed that spec sheet since the 90s. Even though the trucks keep changing, my guess is they're still as close to those original specs that they used thirty years ago.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's a shame. It is. It's a shame that people don't understand, you know, they don't they don't listen and they don't study. That that's the problem in the entire industry is people don't take the time to study. Everybody's so busy. And they don't, you know, if they would just listen to this show or read our articles or go on our website and watch some videos, but people don't take the time.
0: Bruce, you know, the the best you know, if I, if I, explanation for this, when I, go, go ahead. When I get a first time caller.
2: And he said, I hear you talk about gear ratios. Somebody told me, I said, Do you listen to the radio show? What show? Do you read our articles? What articles? Have you read our website? No, I just heard about you. Well, I'm sorry, but that's like trying to explain everything almost to a second grader. And I had a guy the other day. I can't, I don't understand why running in direct gear is more fuel efficient. So, and I said before we talk, go onto the website, watch some of the videos, read some of the articles, and he did and I give him hey. credit. And then, when we talked the second time, he had he was he was pretty sharp for just getting into what's going on. And
0: hey, hey Bruce, you, like, know, you said something, and I'm going to go back and push back a little bit on it because in most instances, you're absolutely right. But there's an exception here, a big one. So when you say people are too busy to to study, to research, to lo- learn new things, uh, you're right. You, you can excuse a lot of people like that. They're working, you know, 10, 12 hours a day somewhere. Um, they've got a family life. Trying to stay up on this can can be tough, but you should do it anyway. The, the phrase that really sums this up, um, Mike Beckett said this to me and it really stuck with me. Uh, after I learned what Mike Beckett knew about alignments, I said, Mike, this seems odd, but I walk into some of these shops now and I talk to guys that have been doing alignments for 20 years and I'm feeling like I know more than they do. Am I just being arrogant here? He's like, no, you actually do know more than they do. And I said, well, how's that, how is that possible? How after 20 years of doing this, do they not know these simple concepts? And he said, Kevin, he said, some people have 25 years of experience. Most people have one year of experience 25 times. And I thought, boy, that is exactly right. They learn a whole bunch in the first year. And then after that, they learn almost nothing. And the problem with that is things change and you have to keep learning. But there is one group of people that have unlimited amounts of time to learn. Guess who it is? Truck drivers,
2: if you want to
0: learn everything we talk about on the show for the last year plus since we released our app, every power hour is available and you have 60 hours a week to listen to these shows. Go back and just binge listen to the power hour. Think about what you would learn if you just put on the power hour and just kept playing it. These guys do,
2: the people that are listening now. It's the people that don't know about you and the show and the magazine articles and our website. It's And it, it would be helpful if those listening could help the people that they meet that don't know about this and say, just, just
0: get on Let's Truck and get the app and just listen. If, if you want to learn about... Engines and and maintenance and all the things we talk about. You have hundreds of shows now of the Power Hour to go back and listen to. If you want (laughs) to learn about health, we've got hundreds of those shows. If you want to learn about alignment, all the shows are there. They're always available. And they have plenty of time to listen. So I had to
2: step away from the phone for two minutes because Audie just sent me a video of my car up in the air, my 21. We just rotated the tires, balanced and front to back at a small independent shop in Saxonburg. And they showed me I have some inside wear cupping on the front tires. There's 20,000 miles on the car. So it's at the Audi dealer in Maryland. They're giving me this video. Well, it's a beautiful video telling me my brakes are good, how many 30 seconds are on my tires. I know all that. <laughs> I they didn't address the one thing that I took it in for. You're, this was 3 minutes kidding. ago, by the way. 3 No, 3 minutes ago. So, I just texted them. I said, "What is causing the wear? My 2013 Audi didn't do that. Why is the 21 doing this?" <laughs> And the tires, you know, these tires are big, wide tires are probably $250 a piece. I don't know what's causing it. Yeah. And it's not on an alignment rack.
0: Beautiful video, by the way. You know, so. I, I just remembered the other thing on the uh, the Sprinter. Same thing. I've got irregular tire wear on the front end. Now, I, as, with what I know about alignment, I could probably crawl under there and f- figure it out myself. Um, but the last time it was in a Mercedes, they said there was nothing wrong with the alignment. I'm looking at the tire going, well, yeah, there is. I can see it. You can't tell me yeah. there's nothing wrong with the alignment when the tire is telling me there's something wrong with the alignment. So this shop normally does, like I said, the, the RV kind of housework. But I'm, I'm going to have them check the alignment, too, and see what they come up with. And if not, I guess I'll crawl under there and figure it out myself. Right. I'm going to have to step away from the phone because I got to call these people right now. So, all right, we'll. Uh, I'll be right back. We'll carry on without <laughs> you for a couple minutes. Let's uh, let's go to BC Matthias. Welcome. Hello. What's on your mind today? I want to talk about my
5: '98 C12. That is an absolute dog. <laughs> Just recently built the truck. Uh, talk to Caterpillar it's set at 380 horse and I'm well No wonder West why it's a
0: dog why would somebody 9200,000 st- in the Rockies why would somebody no. set a C12 at 380 th- or 380 horsepower Leroy because they can uh, they don't hold it forever that's awful no. so in Rocky
5: yeah <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to be quiet. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, it's just it. It's, it's would yeah. be not a good setup if you're running in Indiana at at sixty thousand pounds, right? Let alone ninety thousand <laughs> pounds Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, way too small.
5: Just not enough so, power. So I want to see what we can do with it. I have uh, so far. I got the fleet air filter. I got a turbo from you. I did the uh, full-flow muffler. That's what we got gone so far, uh, just putting the truck on the road, but driving it for like
0: a month. So I certainly need to do more. You need Leroy's tune. Want- That's going to be the single biggest difference you're ever going to make to this truck. All right. Yes. yeah, sir. Yeah, Okay, so just a tune, a manifold,
5: I want to do yet, and I guess we'll try that.
0: Yeah, all the um, other stuff is wonderful, I think- no doubt, and I would do all the other stuff, the OPS, uh-huh. the manifold, all those things, but um, do not skip the tune to do any of those other things. The tune should be the first priority because this will feel like a brand new mm-hmm. truck to you. You won't even recognize it. Nothing else is going to okay. make anywhere near yeah. that kind of a difference. I'll put it on my list. Right. Yeah, the rest, I, I pulled the truck out of the
5: bush pretty much and rebuilt it, so I had to replace some stuff anyway, so i right away always put it on. But, yeah. Um, as far as wondering wondering about the fan and then some of the jake brakes, I don't know if that's settings or if that's some funky wiring. As soon as the jake comes on, my fan kicks in. Is that a setting in the UCM, or is there some messed up wiring somewhere?
0: Any idea? I find it odd because come winter time, I it, I always thought they did that to create a little more drag.
5: I would correct, so well, I'm afraid of
0: so but it could be turned off I'm I'm assuming
5: so when when did you say the fan comes on I'm, I'm sorry with, the Jake. Uh, with, 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 the Jake.
6: with with Jake with uh, the uh,
4: Jake yeah it's it's called dynamic braking uh so it just drags the engine
5: down a little bit more gives a little I bit thought. more
4: braking power yeah
5: okay so we we can turn that off when we do the uh, yeah. uh tune then okay yeah mm-hmm. sounds good yeah, and then the other thing, I just last night scrolling through my scan gauge, I noticed uh, my intake air temperature sensor must be broken or something. It's only, it's reading one degree Fahrenheit, which obviously is off. Uh, how much of an issue is that right at the moment? Uh, like how, how much does that change for the engine? Just want to see how big in a hurry I am to tear in to see what's going on. Because I had a bunch of rotten wiring on this truck, so this must have been one I missed. Does it change the timing much when it's thinking it's getting ice cold air right now, or is that just...
4: Yeah, it, it can change it by a significant amount. I mean, it's not going to be detrimental in any way. I wouldn't say it's a 10 out of 10 priority, but yeah, I mean, it should be addressed pretty quick.
6: Okay.
5: All right, then uh, I'll take care of that, and then I'll find me a tuner and get done with So, So at, at 380 horse pushing 19 pounds of boost, is that about appropriate
0: then? Or? Wait. Wait, oh, 19 no. pounds of boost. Um, 19. Well, give me the situation. How much weight? Are you on the level? What speed? Are you uh, saying oh, 19 so, is sorry, your max? Good. I guess it would be.
5: 19, 19 is my absolute max. Yeah, I guess. pulling it. Uh, pulling it would a be. Hell
0: with my foot on the floor. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah at that horsepower, on, that's about
5: right. No. That's all right. right. Okay, because the I did the uh, charger cooler, all is good. Smoke test, everything's good. So. Yeah. Okay, good. then
0: we'll do the sensor and the tune. There you go. Okay, all thanks right. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Thanks, thanks for the call. Let's go to Alabama. Paul, welcome. Howdy. What's on your mind today? I called
10: in to say, well, I, I called in to see David Counts today, since I was in the area,
0: so he's saying hi. So. Oh, you're there with him? Yeah, tell him um, we all said hi.
10: Well, I was, I was, but I just left, so Oh.
0: he, wow.
10: he can't on me all day, so he got to work with me,
0: D- does he have any cool cars? Did so, you get to go over to the car garage?
10: No, I didn't. We didn't go over there. So wow. he, he jam packed. They got they got twenty pound of shit in a five pound bag. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> <the other laughs> out
0: it's always like that. My God, when I was living in his parking lot, it was a constant obstacle course for me. I was I always had to move around, find a new spot, um, <laughs> and I, I was a little long to be in there. But uh, yeah, their their place is always like that. Yeah.
10: And even if he moved to a bigger property, he'd still run out of space. It, he reckon,
0: would. So. It, well, he's expanded that property a couple times.
10: Yeah. Well, the last time I was there, there was that big tree in the front. And now that's, there's the big building there where they make the fleet air filters. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. And the, the car shop is just, uh, I guess, a little more than a couple <laughs> years old now, but that was, he built that after I had been down there.
10: Yeah. So you realize how good the services at Pittsburgh power when you take your shop you take your truck to a different shop because you don't really have a choice.
0: <laughs> you get spoiled. Yeah. So
10: I took I took my truck into a shop in Oklahoma City on dropped it off on Thursday afternoon about two o'clock. Just had some air leaks that needed to be fixed. I said, Be done tomorrow? Yeah yeah, we'll get it done tomorrow. Okay, thanks. So Friday morning I called him I said, do a DOT inspection as well. Okay, we can do that. Friday afternoon, about quarter past four, I call him. Is my truck ready? Uh, no, it won't be ready, but it'll be ready tomorrow about 10 o'clock in the morning. So it's Saturday morning. Okay. So I got to go to the bank on Saturday. So I go to the bank and a couple other things, and I show up there at 11 a.m. It's not ready, and the guy's not working on it. I said, where's the guy working on my truck? Oh, he had to go out on a road call. Oh, okay. He'll be back shortly. Okay. So 1 o'clock, I get back there again after going doing a couple of errands, and he's still not there, and he's still not working on it. And it's like, God damn it, I guess I'm not getting my truck till Monday. So quarter past 5, Saturday evening, they call me. Are oh, your trucks ready? Okay, I'm going to get it. So I went and got it, but it kind of pisses you off really, but Pittsburgh Power I need to move to Oklahoma. I think. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't see that happening anytime soon. That's why you have wheels on your truck. <laughs> yeah, it's mobile.
10: Uh, yeah, well, I got, an, I got an appointment to go up there. So but so yesterday, so I unhooked my trailer on Sunday because I'm going over to Jacksonville to pick up my new trailer. So I, I cruised yesterday at 65 mile an hour. I did 670 miles yesterday, and I averaged – Nine point oh
0: seven miles per gallon. What? At twenty six thousand pounds. What? Yeah, just my tractor. Still. Oh. That's 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 uh, pretty impressive for that thing.
10: Yeah, well, I, I was thinking, oh, maybe I can do eight eight point two or something, and I six hundred thirty five miles, and I've filled it up, and it's like, she I only got seventy gallons in there, and I just <laughs> squeeze it to make it seventy, and I. That's nine miles to get. That can't be right. And I stuck it in the app, and then I actually worked it out on the calculator, and it's like
0: 9.07, and it's like, holy crap. Wow, well, we, we've we got a new business model for you. Just put that trailer up for sale. The old what?
10: <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard to I'm now a three-car hook, but it's real hard to load them. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it had to, uh, to, to be a Jeep.
2: Only. Yeah, there you go. Well, you know, owner-operators very seldom have to hire taxi cabs, especially at an airport. I said years ago we should take some beautiful trucks and make them taxi cabs. You get you get paid a whole lot more money to put a couple people in your truck and take them across town or take them wherever they want to go. And you just come right back to the airport and load them up again. And think about it: would you rather jump into a taxi cab or a beautiful Peterbilt or Kenworth or Freightliner or whatever? I yeah. will even say Volvo. You know, people would love to go. And you don't even have to load them and chain it down; you just haul people.
0: Yeah. I wonder Is what the Wonder if Uber or Lyft would let us sign up a Peterbilt. Yeah. <laughs> anything's possible. <laughs> Uh, on a, on a, hey, uh, hey Paul! Hey Paul. I, Paul, I've got a crazy yeah. <laughs> idea for you. Here's what you're gonna do: you're gonna take <laughs> that tractor, and you're gonna get some exotic cars, and you'll haul people in the cars on the tractor.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you got to get them
0: up there. Yeah, I oh, know. you gonna get them up I know. there? We got to figure this yeah. out. It's
10: the ladder on the side. If I'm up there, so it, it is kind of fun. I have done it sitting there car that's in the number one position driven out over the hood uh, sitting there and cruised, uh, down the highway at
0: 60 miles hey my first if you got if you, go, if you, when go you came up, to a 14 foot you're gonna duck yeah <laughs> right. well I, I'll tell you my first year driving and our routine was I was driving local so you know there are five or six of us that all had local routes and we'd go hook up in the morning Uh, if if most days we had enough time that we could run up the road, there was a little truck stop up there at the really good restaurant for breakfast. So we'd almost always go up there, park, have breakfast, and then we'd all take off for the day. Um, one of the guys that didn't work with us, but he was always there and he started hanging out at our table was a car hauler and he lived in Cleveland and he would take his tractor home all the time. And one time he still had a car on top of the tractor and forgot about one of the low bridges in Cleveland. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, not good. Not yeah. a good day. Hey, uh, hey,
2: hey, Paul. When you say about ducking, Kevin, you remember the cab over Ford's that rode on
0: four airbags? Oh, the three, the four. Wasn't that a three thousand? The truck? The I don't was? know what the number was, but 3, the first time I rode in one, I ducked, and yeah.
2: the driver looks over and he said, "Yeah, you'll get used to that after a while." <laughs> and then the cab would
0: sway. Yes, it <laughs> so, would. Wow. <laughs> that, uh, the, you know, the only good thing about that thing is you could hook it up to a trailer and if you needed to work on the trailer, you just climbed right up the truck and got on the trailer. It was so easy. That thing was tall. It was a long way up to the seat in that thing. Two-story truck.
10: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'll be hooking up tomorrow,
0: here tomorrow and going to work. So. All right. There you go. All right. I think we're going to wrap it up for the day. Uh, anybody have anything they want to close with? I do not. All right. I um, I don't really have much going on this week. I don't think I have any more guests. I think we're going to be doing all the shows. I don't need to take any time off this week, I don't think. Um, tomorrow, we'll, uh, it's Destination Health. It's kind of a free-for-all, but uh, it might be a good day to talk about chickens and homesteading. Uh, I'll be looking for some advice or we can talk about anything you want tomorrow. So we will see you then. We'll see you back here next week for the Power Hour. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.